looking this morning at the gospel in chapter 3 of John. St. John chapter 3. This is the gospel of John. We're not looking at the epistles, of which there are three of those that are epistles. This is the gospel, the fourth book of the New Testament. And very familiar scripture, and I don't intend to preach on the whole chapter uh, that, as far as I'm reading, which is verse 21. But as I contemplated what I was going to use, I thought I'm going to read the whole thing uh, down to verse 21 because we don't get enough Bible reading anyhow, do we? So shorten it down to two or three verses really uh, is not that big a deal. Uh, it doesn't take that long to read the verses preceding. So let's stand together if you're able. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night, said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh or whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, We speak that we do know, and testify that we have seen, and ye receive not our witness. If I have told you of earthly things, and ye believe not, how shall ye believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that has come down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, the light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For 
Everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. Bow your heads for prayer. Dear Lord, uh, we thank you for this scripture this morning. Certainly more here this morning than we would have time to even expound on, even with, even with my limited understanding. But I thank you, dear Lord, this morning for the word. Thank you for these that have come to hear it this morning. Reward us, I pray, dear Lord, by manifesting your presence and by opening our understanding, by helping us, dear Lord, to grasp eternal truth and realize how precious it is. Lord, may we fold it to our hearts. May we embrace it with all of our might. May we set our minds upon it. And may we cherish it, dear Lord, as precious truth from God. We ask all these favors in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So the title of the message this morning is, What Does Christ's Incarnation Mean to You? And the reason I've chosen to read out of this passage is uh, Nicodemus had a question and uh, he says uh, in verse 9, how can these things be? <coughs> and so uh, that question uh, Jesus took as a challenge, didn't he? Uh, if we tell you of earthly things and you don't believe, how will you believe if we tell you of heavenly things? Uh, you are a, a master. You are a leader in Israel. He was part of the Sanhedrin. And so you're supposed to know all about these things. And yet, uh, this was something that Nicodemus was not informed of, did not know about, and Jesus told him he had to be born again. So Jesus' words uh, tell us that he knows things that he has come to reveal and that he came in verse 13 he says, No man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. You say, well, how was he in heaven if he was on earth? Well, not all versions include that, which is in heaven. But it goes along with some other verses where Jesus speaks about uh, being in the bosom of the Father, even though he was on earth. So... As uh, my pastor told me years ago, it had to do with the, with the uh, presence of Christ that he is able, he is able uh, to be in more than one place at the same time. And so whatever that means in entirety, I want especially to look at the first part of that verse 
uh, Jesus said, no man has ascended up to heaven. So uh, false prophets and teachers that say they have, they have been up to God and they've heard things from God, Jesus said, uh, it's not true. No man has ascended up to heaven. But he that came down from heaven, and that is the Son of Man. And Jesus referred to himself as the Son of Man over and over again. Uh, a, 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 a figure of speech that, is, that in, embodies humility because he did not say, I am the Son of God. He said, I'm the Son of Man. And it looks back in the Old Testament where the scripture refers to a son of man going up to the throne and he was commissioned with special thing to do. And so this speaks of Jesus being the son of man, which also speaks of his incarnation. Now, if it seems like we're not going anywhere very fast, I want to do something else now. I want you to look in your songbook again. We don't do this very often. But if you, there's no page number for this. You have to go to the very last song, which is on page 497. 496, 497 is the number of the song. And then you go another two pages beyond that last song, and you see there the Apostles' Creed. So, the Apostles' Creed is in responsive readings, but it is not a responsive reading. It is all in dark print. And so it is number three in responsive readings. Have you found what I'm talking about? Everybody on the page? Okay, I'm waiting to, wait until I get everybody to nod. Y'all see it? Go, go past the last song and then go two pages. <coughs> and it says the Apostles' Creed, number three, on responsive readings. <coughs> Are you there? Okay. So let's read it together. It's not responsive. If it was responsive, I'd read a line, you'd read a line, right? But we're just going to read it in unison. We'll all read it together. <clears throat> I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he arose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Church of Jesus Christ, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. So there's a lot in there, isn't there? Uh, and there are other creeds that are written to express 
uh, in a more condensed form what the Bible teaches and what especially is revealed to us concerning the person of Jesus Christ. Uh, so uh, another one of those creeds, and, and I'm relying on uh, the man who op occupies the uh, chair of theology at uh, Ohio Christian University. He put a book out uh, called The Word Became Flesh, and it's an Advent devotional. Uh, so I'm going to use different parts of that. Uh, Dr. Case is very knowledgeable, and uh, he, he uh, has taught for years and continues to teach uh, young ministers. So uh, this is what the Nicene Creed says. Like I said, these are condensed forms of what is taught in the Scripture about the person of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, and, and salvation, and so forth. So the Nicene Creed says, We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. For us men and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. <clears throat> How about the uh, Chalcedonian Creed? We then, following the Holy Fathers, all with one consent, teach men to confess one and the same Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, truly God and truly man, of a reasonable soul and body. And I think reasonable there means of a normal soul and body. In these latter days, for us and for our salvation, born of the Virgin Mary, the mother of God, according to the manhood, one and the same Christ, Son, Lord, only begotten, to be acknowledged in two natures, unconfusedly, unchangeably, indivisibly, inseparably, the distinction of natures being by no means taken away by the union but rather the property of each nature being preserved and concurring in one person and one substance, not parted or divided into two persons, but one and the same Son, the only begotten God, the Word, the Lord Jesus Christ. I say, what did he say? <laughs> uh, There's a lot there. Uh, and I've said it, uh, I've heard other ministers say it, that it's, it's God in human flesh. It is not a little bit of God and a whole lot of man. It is not a little bit of man and a whole lot of God. It is God and man perfectly fused and joined in one person. So... It's, it's not a little God. Jehovah's Witnesses would like to 
make it that way, uh, that Jesus is a little God. Well, that doesn't go along with Scripture. Uh, God says he'll have no, have no rival. So uh, he, is, he is holy God and holy man in one person. And so uh, when, when he came, he had to come as a man so that he could suffer for our sins. Uh, God had to become a human being or he could not die for our sins. If he had not taken the full humanity on himself. Now, when we say the, the full humanity, we're not talking about taking on the sin nature. It is everything that Adam was when he was created without the sin nature. Adam did not have a sin nature or, or a sin virus, however you want to say it. Uh, so uh, we, have, we have Christ becoming holy man, fully, fully man is a better way to say it, fully a man without sin. And, and he walked that walk in this world and did not sin as Adam in the garden did. So he is called the second, the second Adam because he came as our hero, as our hero he took on him human flesh. He experienced all the things that human beings experience. He got tired, didn't he? Uh, he, he felt uh, pain. Uh, he knew what it was to be rejected, and he knew what it was to be scorned. Uh, he knew what it was to feel sorrow. Uh, remember when, when Lazarus died? The scripture, that was one of the early verses I learned in the Bible contest because I could get points for that, that I learned a verse and it was Jesus wept. So that was, that was one of the first ones I learned. Uh, so uh, Jesus was fully human and yet he was divine and is divine. So now I want to look at this scripture again, and I'm going to let others untangle un, uh, some of the first verses uh, uh, on what Jesus said here. I've preached on it many times, but basically I want to stay with Christ's incarnation. What does it mean to us? Uh, incarnation, of course, means to become flesh. Uh, the divine became human. And, and I'm reading once again in Dr. Case's book, one of the things that he had copied off into there, uh, said it is important to remember that it was not Christ the man becoming divine. It wasn't, it wasn't Christ, and then Christ, after so long, became divine. He was born into the world as the Son of God, as divine, God in flesh. Uh, he didn't come into this world, and then after a while, he did so good 
uh, he became he became divine. No, he came into the world what he was. Now you can't. It's hard. It's hard for us to imagine that God could come into his creation. But that's what the Bible teaches, that God came into his creation. So it would be like uh, a painter painting a, a beautiful picture. And so in the picture, uh, he has, he's drawn a figure of a man. And then somehow he's able to put himself into that picture. Somehow he's able to, to go into that scene and he becomes part of that scene. Well, God created this world. He created everything in it. And then there came a point in time when he stepped into what he created. Uh, and the reason he did that was so we could understand so we could understand God. He came to reveal God to us. So it's like that fellow that uh, was feeding, uh, actually he, he was feeding birds. Uh, it, was, it, it was a very cold day. And uh, the, birds, the birds were out in the weather and he had sprinkled food out there for them, and the wind was blowing, and the snow was blowing, and, and he wanted to get them in the barn so that they could, they could eat in the barn because the snow was blowing over where he put the food, and they couldn't get the food. And, and uh, so he tried, he tried to get them to go in the barn, but the more he tried, the more he frightened them because uh, they thought he was after them. And so they flew, they flew away from him. And he gave up, finally, uh, as a failure, trying to, trying to get them in the barn where they could eat. Uh, and he began to think about it, and he thought, the only way I would have been able to get those birds to go in the barn would be for me to be a bird and lead them in the barn. <laughs> but they didn't understand that this human being was trying to be good to them and was trying to preserve their life, was trying to care for them. And so the laws of God, God gave the laws for our benefit. And we realize that when man lives lives unchecked, unregulated, uh, immoral. Um, I used to work uh, with a man that uh, he was actually my boss, he would say, uh, candy is dandy, but sex don't rot your teeth. I said, oh, yes, it does, Butch. <laughs> yeah, it does. You get VD, you rot a lot of places on your body. Uh, you get into a lot of trouble. And so people think today uh, they can live immoral lives. They can do whatever they want to do. And you always see them uh, indulging in pleasures, that are pleasures that bring down a person and make a person uh, less than what God intended them to be. Uh, and they think they're, they're having a good time and enjoying life, uh, but things have a way of catching up, don't they? And it takes a while, but then uh, the, the sins begin to take a toll on the, on the mortal body.
and life is shortened. And you see people that uh, have, have indulged in habits that have corrupted their lungs, and, and I'm not saying everybody that's walking around with a breathing machine has done something that has corrupted their lungs, because I know people that have inhaled secondhand smoke, had to be in a place where there was smokers, uh, people that uh, have worked at Scott's that inhaled uh, grain dust, and uh, their lungs are damaged from that. So it's not always from indulgence, but a lot of times it is. And, uh, and so they have, a, they have a little pump. They have to walk around, carry it on their shoulder, don't they, so they can breathe. Uh, so many times people indulge in things they shouldn't do, and then there comes a payday. Uh, something something is, is uh, amiss in their life, and they get it in their body, and they get it checked. So incarnation uh, means that Christ came to give us an accurate revelation of divine truth. Um, and I'm not saying the prophets didn't do that. But they could not do that as Christ, who was in the presence of God, could do that to give a first-hand account. Um, so when Jesus is talking to Nicodemus here, uh, he, he talks about... Uh, he had, he had came, come down from heaven. He had been with the Father. Uh, and he, he descended. We know in his descension, that is called the humiliation of Christ. Uh, it wasn't like a star falling from the sky, but he came through the portals of a virgin's womb, didn't he? Uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit... He was, he was brought into this world by an act of the Holy Spirit causing a body to grow in the Virgin Mary's womb. Uh, artificial insemination might, might be close, but it's not what this was. Because here we're talking about the living, eternal word being outfitted, as it were. You know, you go to Cabela's, and if you're going to go up north and hunt, they'll, they'll, they will outfit you. Uh, they will see you got everything you need to go to Alaska or wherever you want to go on a hunt or a fishing trip or whatever it is. Uh, in this case, Christ needed to be outfitted with a body. And I use the word Christ <clears throat> because... Jesus is his earthly name. Christ refers to the anointed of God. And I could have used the word word, couldn't I? Because the scripture tells us that he is the logos, uh, that he is the word of God. And John talks about that in chapter 1. Uh, and some of you have spent a little time in chapter 1 of St. John. <clears throat> and you know what the scripture says there. 
uh, about uh, Christ coming, it says that uh, uh, when Jesus came, uh, in John chapter 1, verse 18, and I'll read that for you. It says this, No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. Now there's, there's another example of what I'm talking about that maybe we don't understand fully. He, didn't, he doesn't say who, uh, who was in the bosom of the Father. He said who is in the bosom of the Father. So it kind of goes along with that which is in heaven. So as God, he is omnipresent. As God. But not in the sense in which we needed him to be to walk with us and so forth as he did when he was here on earth. He left us, but he said, I'm not going to leave without sending someone, didn't he? So he sent the Holy Spirit to be with us and to be present with us wherever we are in every church setting or in any setting where we call on his name. So no man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. And I, once again, this is really deep stuff. And I'm not telling you I understand all of it. Because I went up to uh, Dr. Parrott. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was Dr. Parrott. It could have been Dr. Kinlaw. Uh, so I said, uh, it's false teaching when people say that Jesus is the eternal Son of God. And whichever one it was I was talking to, they're both very intelligent men, and, and both, I think, are gone now to heaven. But he said, he said yes, uh, he is the eternal Son of God. He said, because there is the sense in which he is ongoing and always being begotten. He's not born. He's not born. He's not, Jesus is not born. He's not created. He's begotten. And so there's the sense in which he is always being begotten. And the best way I can explain it in hillbilly terms is that he continues, he continues from the presence of God with, with all the powers and abilities uh, of, of God the Father as he comes to us. Uh, if you can get a better grip on that, let me know, okay? Uh, but he is, he is the only begotten. And some have, have erred exceedingly when they've said, well, you know, we're, we're all children of God. Uh, I'm just like Jesus. No, your head's full of rocks. <laughs> you are not just like Jesus. He is unique, one of a kind. He emanates. There's a good word. He emanates from the Father. He's the only begotten Son of God. So John says that, and uh, no man has seen God but uh, Jesus Christ. 
who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. Uh, what, what a glorious truth. So it means, what does it mean to you? It means that we have someone who was there, who came from the very throne of God that brings God's truth to us. And I thought about that a little bit too. <clears throat> How about uh, what Isaiah said? And I've said this to you before. So maybe you say, we, we've heard this before, preacher, but maybe you weren't here that day. If you look in Isaiah chapter 6, <clears throat> where Isaiah had that vision of heaven, uh, he saw the Lord high and lifted up, remember? Isaiah chapter 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, very troubling experience in Isaiah's life. And it says that he saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. And his train, you think of the train as that of a wedding dress, don't you? This train, I've never seen a train that filled the whole church. Well, this train that was part of the glorious robe of the Lord filled the whole temple. It, it, is, a it is a picture of, of unimaginable beauty and extravagance. I saw the Lord high and lifted up. His train filled the temple. He talks about the seraphim, and they're crying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. <clears throat> and it appears that this vision, and we're going to look on down to a few verses because I'm not preaching on this. <clears throat> he said in verse 9, <clears throat> well, verse 8, he heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? <coughs> Verse 9, he said, Go tell this people, Hear ye indeed, but understand not, and see ye indeed, but perceive not. Make the heart of this people fat, and make their ears heavy. Shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and convert and be healed. God is talking about the hardness of the heart of the people to whom Isaiah was being sent. Now, if you look over in John chapter 12, Gospel of John chapter 12, and you look down, <clears throat> verses 40 and 41. We're going to go back to 37. I think it will help us understand it. But though he had done so many miracles before them, yet they believed not on him, that the saying of Isaiah or Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spake, Lord, who hath believed our report, to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Therefore they could not believe, because Isaiah said again, He hath blinded their eyes. Didn't we read that over there in chapter 6? He hath blinded their eyes hardened their heart that they should not see with their eyes nor understand with their heart 
and be converted, and I should heal them. These things said Isaiah when he saw his glory and spoke of him. So John is saying that the, the God that Isaiah saw was Jesus Christ sitting on the throne. And these verses, if you read that over in your spare time, you'll see that these verses go along with those verses in Isaiah. So we have Christ who was there. He came from the throne and he came to reveal the Father and he came to tell humanity that God loves you and he came and received a human body so he could suffer in the flesh for us so he could become our sin bearer. Otherwise, he could not have died. He became a sin bearer. He bore our sins to death and he gives us the glorious opportunity of becoming the children of God and to know a heaven that we would never otherwise see had it not been for what he done. <clears throat> yeah, uh, John 14, verse 7, <clears throat> when we talk about Jesus' incarnation, or the, the word incarnation, we look down at verses 7 to 11. For Jesus is ta talking here. He says, If you had known me, you should have known my Father also. From henceforth you know him and have seen him. Philip said unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it will satisfy us. Jesus said to him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet have you not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, Show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. Isn't that what Nicodemus said when he came to Jesus by night? No one can do these miracles that you do, except God be with him. He didn't recognize Jesus as being the Son of God at that point. But later it appears he did because he was there to take care of Jesus when he was crucified. He joined, he joined with Joseph of Arimathea to see that the body of Jesus was buried or put in a tomb. So it appears he did come to believe that. And so Jesus says here, if you can't accept, if you can't understand what I'm saying to you, I'm asking you this. Think about the very works I'm doing. When I go up and talk to my cousin, Kenny, in the rest home, uh, you know, Kenny's never been a real serious Christian. Uh, he's been to the altar and so forth and prayed. So, Kenny's in pretty serious shape today with, with all the things that have gone on with his body, with this, with the PSP, which is 
similar to Parkinson's, but may, may be a step worse than Parkinson's because it's progressive, palsy. So you lose, you lose ability here and there. So it's a continual uh, downgrading, continual loss of abilities. So when I go talk to Kenny, I, I tell Kenny what Jesus did. You know, Jesus walked on the water. Do you know anybody that can walk on the water? There's nobody can walk on water. But Jesus walked on water. Jesus, Jesus stilled the storm, didn't he? Peace be still. And those white caps laid down like little whip puppy dogs. And there was a great calm. Jesus did that. Jesus, though you weren't supposed to touch unclean people, touched the unclean. He touched the lepers, didn't he? The leprosy went away. Jesus did those things. And it was, it was verified by men who traveled with him that gave their lives. They never once said it was all hoax. We made it all up. They gave their lives. The only exception was Judas that sold him out, and Judas committed suicide. But he never said it wasn't true. We believe he committed suicide because he knew he had betrayed the very Son of God. And so Jesus said it had been better for him if he hadn't been born. But Jesus proved who he is by the works that he did. And I'm sure I didn't do justice to this scripture this morning, but maybe I did as much justice as you can tolerate. Uh, <laughs> because you might be lost in the bushes somewhere. Uh, and I don't want you to be that way. I want you to know we serve Jesus who is God in human flesh who was crucified for us. We read that in the Apostles' Creed. Yeah, he was born of a virgin. He came into this world. He died for our sins. He rose again for our justification, didn't he? And he ascended back to the Father. And he's there at the right hand of the Father today. So his name be glorified. So if you didn't get anything else, be sure and get that. Because that's the gospel in a nutshell. And you can't believe that Jesus was just a good man that then became deified. He came to this world. God, the Son. He came into this world as God received a human body, lived a perfect life, and died a sacrificial death for our salvation. Let's stand together.